podcasting from the Chicagoland area. This is Game On with Jackson Stewart, where we discuss men's lifestyle, focusing on sex, fitness, relationships, business, and more. We'll be interviewing the best of the best, the hot shots, and the rising stars in the worlds of modeling, fitness, cooking, and more. Influencers who are discussing keeping it sexy while at the top of their game. I'm your host, Jackson Stewart. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the game. Follow Game On with Jackson Stewart on YouTube at Game On with Jack, on the official blog www.gameonwithjack.blog, and at the new store www.gameonwithjack.shop. Keep it sexy and game on. Valor. This is Pamela Ross. This is Trinesia. And you're listening. And you're listening to Game On with Jackson Stewart. To Game On with Jackson Stewart. Game On with Jackson Stewart. Killing him. The game will challenge you. That is what separates those who win and those who lose. Obstacles are not unusual aspects of the game, but a part of it. In the toolkit of winning, adaptability is key. This is definitely a lesson taught to and by our guest tonight. The author speaker, Matthew Lawrence Sikowski, was born in the Chicago suburbs. In many ways, he was born directly into adversity. At six months old, he had both legs and casts and was misdiagnosed with MS. As it turns out, a spinal tumor was the real issue. He underwent multiple surgeries on his left leg and spine all before the age of 10. This left Matthew with a permanently deformed left leg to go through life with. There was a choice made at a very young age. Matthew decided that you can do whatever you set your mind to no matter the circumstances. This became embedded in his soul and has only gotten stronger throughout the years. He became a competitive ski racer in middle school and learned to adapt and compete in other sports such as wrestling in high school and track in college. After earning his degree in business from DePaul University, Matthew embarked on a career in medical device sales, becoming the youngest sales rep ever hired at Stryker Medical, earning Rookie of the Year and Rep of the Year in his first two years. After 28 years in the business and working for other companies, he has amassed multiple awards and sales achievement. Matthew developed a three-book series called Unlocking Your Greatest Assets Through Challenge, Struggle, and Adversity. Teaching, inspiring, and uplifting readers through his writing has become a passion. Matthew is also our guest this evening. All right, guys, you've heard the introduction and the bio. Now join me in welcoming to Game On, the inspiring, motivational, and the indomitable Matthew Sigowski. Matthew, how are you today? 
I am doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's a pleasure. Cool, cool. That is uh, good to hear. And let's kick off. Can you let the audience know where they can find you, uh, what social media, and by what username? Sure. So um, on Amazon, you can find me under Matthew Sagowski. A lot of my books say Matthew Lawrence Sagowski, either one. Um, but Amazon and then Facebook, just first and last name, pr pretty much primary. Those are the primary two uh, social media outlets I use. And all my books are all my books basically are sold through Amazon. Now, as people heard in the bio, but just in case they missed it, where are you from and where did you grow up? Sure. So I, I was born in the Chicago suburbs, actually LaGrange. Um, my folks moved us out to Lake Tahoe, California when I was uh, an infant. And uh, so I pretty much grew up out in the Squaw Valley area uh, until middle of junior high. Folks got divorced. And uh, being from back from the Midwest, my mother moved uh, my sister and I back uh, to the, uh, the suburbs of Chicago. And I basically finished up high school and went to college in Chicago and pretty much have been here ever since. Okay. Now, jumping into like the meat of of mm -hmm. who you are and what you bring to the table in terms of, you know, helping guys level up their game. It, you were hit early on with what I think anybody would agree is adversity. And that is absolutely, um, you know, the, the, uh, the misdiagnosis of a medical condition, a, a solution for the medical condition, which also left you, and to use your own words now in your bio with one leg, can you kind of, you know, can you walk us through that moment that you got the news? What was that like? Yeah. And, and, and equally as important, what kept you from sinking? Because th that's what I really want to help. You know, you've got a great message. I want to get that out to people about getting hit with adversity and moving forward. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's really interesting because I, you know, it hit me as it hit me in childhood. And I don't even honestly have that much of a memory of it um, from when I was, you know, like two, three years old. And that that's essentially I was I was given a misdiagnosis of MS. My left leg just wasn't developing like the way my right one was. It was shorter. Um, and, you know, I'm 51 years old. So back in the 70s, it's just medicine was a little bit different than it is now. And uh, by the time physicians figured out what was wrong with me, it had already done some pretty significant damage, but what I really had was a was a non-cancerous tumor in my spine that was entangled in my nerves and was basically cutting off the signals to my leg as I was developing. So I had it removed um, when I was about five, but you know, again, medicine in the seventies, I would say I had kind of a hatchet job done <laughs> on my spine, um, and they never really got it all out. It grew back. Um, I kept having issues as I was getting older. My mother, I would say I really owe a lot to her. She was just determined to figure this out. And she eventually took me to Stanford University and I had it finally removed completely um, when I was about 10 years old. Now, prior to that, I had gone through probably at least a half dozen surgeries on my spine as well as uh, my left leg just to try and, you know, I had some... Uh, tendon surgery and trying to lengthen a little bit. So I spent a lot of years just kind of like, honestly, being scared of hospitals. Um, and it's fairly ironic because I spent the last almost 30 years 
as a medical device sales rep <laughs> in hospitals going into surgical procedures, which is what I was terrified of as a kid because I associate hospitals with pain. Um, and, and that was really, you know, every time my mom said, well, we got a doctor's appointment, I would be like, oh gosh, you know, like I'm going to get poked or prodded or, or something. So, um, it's interesting though, because as a kid, you know, we're, we're not, we don't, we don't, I think children, we don't really think in terms of limits as kids, we can think we can, we think we can do anything, right? <laughs> I mean, our imaginations are usually at their, at their highest as, as kids, um, you know, I grew up outside and, 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 you know, didn't really watch much TV. You know, you went outside to have fun and, and you created all kinds of environments. And, and so going through all this stuff with my leg, I didn't really look at it and say, well, you know, poor me, I, I'm not able to do anything. Again, my mother never held me back either. She, she got me on skis and I learned how to ski and I actually ended up making a ski team. And, and then I worked my way up to where I was actually a fairly high level ski racer. And, and I just remember trying to learning how to figure things out is the best thing that I, you know, I, I'm actually eternally grateful for everything I went through because I learned how to really get good at adapting and overcoming obstacles and then just finding a way. And to do that as a kid, it's unbelievable how it's just helped me out so much later in life <laughs> because I, I would tell you this much, you know, I've gone through some, some other <laughs> trials and tribulations as an adult that I would say were far harder than, um, what I went through as a kid. And, and I just remember kind of like, I've, every time I've had to face a challenge or struggle, I'm like, you know, come on, Matt, you went through far worse as, you know, you went through some pretty hard stuff as a kid, you know, you know what to do, you know? And so, that's really kind of the perception I developed as a child. That's why I'm so, so grateful for it because I think so many people later in life, they don't really have that skill set. You know, adversity strikes them maybe in their 20s for the first time and they don't know how to handle it. Um, I had to deal with it very young and learn the skill, learned a skill set that got programmed in my mind and it almost became second nature. So, I mean, I think, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there and, and it's all like beautiful and totally worthwhile to go through. You know, I, the, I mean, hearing that as a kid, I mean, like, I know you said you were kind of young when it all kind of started, but you know, you, you talked about like how we associate, how you associate it. And I think just about 90% of all adults do, unless you work at a hospital, most of us think hospital, like we, we get traumatized, like we traumatize ourselves, like pain, um, discomfort, bad news. You know, it's like going to the mechanic, mm -hmm. like you don't go to the, mm -hmm. unless you're going in for a physical. And even then we're still a little apprehensive. We think it's going to be something bad, but you, you got over that. And I want to go through some of these, these tips about getting over adversity Let's start there because, you know, one of the things that I've talked about is like taking control of your health. And I think a lot of guys, mm -hmm. by the time, you know, you are, you had no choice. By the time you were dealing with your health, you were young and you had to. And it was, it was you know, your mom was, was running point on that because she was the adult. But as, as grown men and as grown anybody, like getting in front of your health is important. But I think a lot of fear holds people mm -hmm. back. What's what's a tip you can give people right now about getting over the fear as or controlling as, the fear about your health? 
Well, I, I, so I, I, my, my favorite definition of health, you've probably heard this before, is always it's false evidence appearing real. Um, that's what I consider fear. It's usually a fear is an emotion. It's, it's just something that you feel inside. It's not necessarily like, you know, danger is real. Fear is just a feeling. And the only way you can really tackle it is by embracing it. You have to walk into it. Um, you know, I always kind of like, you ever watch a Batman, you know, where the, the Batman, it's the late, I think it was the latest series that came out, Christian Bale. And it's the very first yeah. one where he falls, in the, he falls in the cave and he's terrified and, and, all, and, and he just embraces these bats all flying around him. And he, he embraced yeah. his fear. And it's kind of similar to that. You just have to jump into it. <laughs> you know, um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, what was, well, I don't want to get off topic here. Cause you said like, really like embracing your health. I, I had to embrace my leg and, and by embracing it, I just said, okay, this is the way it is. And I don't have any left calf. My left foot doesn't even work. I half the size of my right. I have no flexion in it. Um, instead of looking at it and saying what I can't do, I looked at it and said, well, what can I do? And what I realized is there's a lot I could do. And, and, and so instead of focusing just on what doesn't work, I started focusing on what did work. And I got, in, you know, I got into the gym pretty early uh, in life, uh, kind of towards eighth grade, started lifting weights. And you know, freshman year, I made varsity wrestling team. And I just realized like, well, okay, what if I just make the rest of my body so incredibly strong that my leg becomes almost irrelevant? <laughs> I'm going to just learn how to adapt. Mm. And, right, and right. so, you know, and I think that's probably one of the biggest, I guess you said, giving somebody a tip is, well, how do you really want to live your life? You know, do you want to, do you want to live with basically, you know, having something that's holding you back or using it as an excuse or saying, well, I'm just, I just don't have the motivation. I just don't have the drive or, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be able to get this 50 pounds off my waistline. Well, you know, if that's how you think, well, that's what you're going to get. So I think like the most important thing about just embracing your health is it, it kind of goes along with everything else is just change the way your thinking is. And, you know, people have heard that many times, but it is a choice. You know, you have to make a choice. Um, I can tell you the personal choice for me is really, it's pretty straightforward. I really enjoy life. I enjoy all of it. I enjoy the bad stuff. I enjoy the good stuff. Um, I enjoy change. And at 51 years old, I'm actually more excited at 51 about the next 25 years than I was when I was 25 and the 25 years ahead of that. So if I want to enjoy that part of my life, I want to make sure that I'm really healthy, that I'm strong, and that I can do all the things that I want to do. So I can tell you being in the, and this is another aspect, being in the medical industry, I have seen thousands of surgical procedures and other procedures. I've seen people far younger than me dealing with things that could be prevented. And I can tell you something, you do not want to spend your, 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 your days like there's people who literally will go to the hospital every single week because they have some sort of condition, whether it's diabetes or, um, you know, just, you know, some sort of health issue. And, you know, things are going to come our way. Can't prevent everything. But I think it's important to at least say, hey, well, what can I control? And 
I at least want to put myself in the best possible position so you know, I can do the things that I want to do. You know, there's uh, the quote you said at the beginning. Um, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was all it was all phenomenal. But that like, fear, most fears. I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit. Most fears are just in mm-hmm. our heads. Danger, danger is real. Yeah. Like, you know, you see right. a pack of wolves coming at you. There's no question that that's dangerous. <laughs> like, there's that there's is no that, like, that is da- that, that is danger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fear is like, oh, oh my God, what if this, what if that, what if they say that? Like, there's so much that we work up in our heads. And I think I heard, oh, yeah. uh, you know, like, yeah, most of your life, 80, 80, 90% of your fears never happen. No, and it's something very few, you, it's something you create. <laughs> yeah. And very few of us are ever really in danger. So I, I love that you use that quote. I had heard it before. It escapes me who I heard it from before, but I couldn't agree more with it. it, it, it me, me as well, but, I, but it's – Yeah. Yeah. Fear is imaginary and danger is real. Now, I, I, I love – there's about three questions I ask every guest uh, that I really love, one of which is who are some of your influences? Because, you know, I mean, you've got – such a wealth of of uh, of motivational aspects who who does matthew read who does matthew listen to sure that sure. continues you know to refill that that bank of motivation in, in you so as a child it was it was actually this is I, i'm going to start with this just because it was so cool i my, one of my books uh my third book in my series released actually number one in inspiration uh, as a new release and it was in the same category as Arnold Schwarzenegger's book. And we were pretty close to one another. And I about, you know, crapped my pants <laughs> because he was one of my childhood idols. Arnold Schwarzenegger is one of my childhood idols. Him and Joe Weider got that was what influenced me to really get in the gym and start working out. And, uh, and I've, you know, I competed in bodybuilding as a early 20 year old and, and did powerlifting. And I've just been active my whole life. But one of my one of my idols and influences and uh as a kid now i will expand on that and say as an adult uh, the people i i, I love john maxwell for communication probably one of my favorites is earl nightingale think and grow rich oh yeah anybody who, oh, yeah. who has not read that book i implore you to read it <laughs> and then read it again yeah. and read it again um so or I, yes oh actually did i say did i say earl nightingale or that was not napoleon i'm sorry that was napoleon hill Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich. Earl Nightingale. Um, yeah, Earl, I got those mixed up. Earl Nightingale. Actually, well, I mean, they're they're um, they're like they're like interlocked so much. It's it's easy to you know. Oh yeah. Oh, it's yeah. easy to mention well, Earl, one and slide the other one in there. I'll give you. I'll give you why. I always Earl Nightingale always comes top of mind simply because the first time I heard his speech, which was the the strangest secret. And if anybody yes. hasn't heard that, it was released in 1956, Columbia Records. It became the number one selling non, uh, uh, non-musical non album at the time, which is, you know, sold, I think, a million copies, which is pretty amazing back then. But The Strangest Secret is really just we become what we think about. And mm-hmm. it, it is really at the core of everything in your life. But um, the cool story behind this is um, I had never heard that before. <laughs> and... Um, about 10 years ago, I got a tattoo on my left shoulder and I decided, all right, you know, what, what could I, what kind of tattoo could I get? That would be really cool. And I didn't want just some, I want something that had some meaning. So 
I just randomly took a King James Bible, opened it up, plopped my finger down on whatever it landed on, and what it landed on is what I was going to get tattooed. <laughs> so it landed wow, on. Wow, that's bold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could, I could, I could have landed on Revelations, right, and something like that. yeah, or you, know, or, or you could land it on like you know, you know, you could land it like you know, provided by the Gideons. You're like, oh man, here I go. I got <laughs> The, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, like yeah, you know, I, I could have exactly. had that on my shoulder, but I didn't. It landed. It landed on. It landed on Mark nine twenty three, which essentially means all things are possible for those who believe. And mm. I was just like, oh yeah, that's right yeah. on the mark. And so you want to know what's really really amazing? And so I, I have this really cool tattoo of Mark twenty nine twenty three on my right shoulder, and uh, and so when I. I discovered Earl Nightingale probably, God, maybe like seven years ago. I listened to it for the first time. If you listen to that that album about halfway through, I've never heard it quoted. And he quotes Mark 923. And wow. I got chills up my spine. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're like, like, and this is kind of back when I started having these ideas of really wanting to share my story, um, really wanting to, you know, make a difference in the world, you know, impacting people. And and that was just to me a sign from the universe that like you got work to do, pal. <laughs> so get to it. <laughs> so so yeah, I mean it's a little side story of influences, but uh I like Neville Goodard as well. Um Vishen Lakani is pretty cool, Code of the Extraordinary Mind. He's got a new book out too. Um Jack Canfield is actually a uh, believe it or not, a little bit of a mentor of mine. Uh, I got to work with him a few years back and, uh, he actually reviewed some of my work and I got some great feedback from him. So, uh, those are just a few, but I like a lot of the older, old school, old school people. And you know what I want, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say what, what I found, um, interesting. And I kind of feel, you know, if I could be so bold, I kind of feel a little like the young Napoleon Hill because, Mm-hmm. Young Napoleon Hill, for those that don't know, um, he got tasked with interviewing people and finding mm-hmm. what made them really successful. And in doing in doing the podcast for as, as long as I've done it, uh, a couple of years now, I have found that every guest who is out there uh, kicking ass, and I've been very blessed in having mm-hmm. guests that are all kicking ass in their own fields, all share the same core. And that core is that they believe that what they believe is, is who they become. Yep. And that goes back to, like I said, that goes back to the Bible. That goes back to, uh, I mean, any religion says that regardless of who you pray to or kneel to. Mm-hmm. And, and if you bring that down to some of the, the, the great mental thinkers, you know, of like the, the late 1800s or the early, you know, 1900s, 1920s and so on, Carnegie, Ford, um, Napoleon Hill, um, Ogmandino, who's another name that falls in that group. And so it's it's just, it's always, like you said, you know it, but then like sometimes you got to hear it again. And I I love that those are some of your influences. I I do want to jump on something that popped out while you were talking. And I really wanted to to get your take on this. If I could be so bold, as as traumatic as it must have been, it must still cause some some discomfort and some issues in some way. Your leg sounds like it may have been the best thing that ever happened to you. I actually call it my superpower. 
<laughs> but no, it, took me a while. It, it took me a while to get there. But ex- I, I, explain I, that yeah. to people because I think yeah. some people would look at their leg and go, oh my God, if I lost, if I lost the ability to use my foot, if I lost, you know, the calf uh, accessibility, I, I'd be devastated. But why is it? And they'd say, well, he's lucky because it happened so young. But it's, it, I think that's very small minded to view it that way. How have you turned that into your great superpower? You know, I, I will say this much. I had, it, it, it was a, there was a lot of things as a kid I went through from getting bullied, um, really bad, by the way, and not, not just bullied, but beat up, uh, right. you know, p- picked on, I, you know, kids can be mean, you know, and, but I, for, for, I, I'm a, I'm a tough kid and, and I didn't take that too well. So I, for a few years I had was, you know, finding myself having to, uh, strategize about how, okay, well, how do I get this to stop? And I realized that, you know, sometimes a bully needs to be punched in the face <laughs> to, uh, to get a taste of his own medicine. But, uh, but I, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, not that I'm uh, condoning any kind of violence or anything, but, but I really don't take well to people who, uh, you know, you will never rise in life by demeaning others. Um, you will only, uh, diminish yourself. And, um, and so I, I, I would say a little hot button for me is if I ever see that, it's, it doesn't go very well. Um, I've always been kind of a protector, but kind of getting back to your you know, original question is, um, you know, how do I view what most people would think is, you know, I've even had some people say, oh, a disability. And I got to tell you, people who actually have real disabilities, you know, missing leg, arm, some sort of spinal, mental, whatever it is, they really don't like to be called disabled. You know, um, it's, it's a term that I think we associate when we see something that doesn't work on someone, but, but I never considered myself that ever, you know, and, and, and I, I could probably get one of those disabled stickers in my car if I wanted to, but I think that's, I think I'd rather save that for somebody who really needs it. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so the, the, the real thing though, is with your, you know, my legs in adversity, (laughs) um, turn your adversity you know, into an advantage, turn it into your superpower. You know, a lot of people look at it, look at their adversity and they want to become a victim, you know? So you want to up your game, stop being a victim, you know, don't, don't define yourself by something that, you know, it's, it's okay. A setback. My left leg doesn't work like my right. So what, you know, I mean, you know, I've had crazy thing is you would think like, you know, I got this messed up leg. I walk a little funny, you know, and as a guy, right, we want to attract women. We like, you know, or whatever it is, you want to go on a date. You want to talk about scary, like asking a girl out <laughs> when you're in high school. Yeah, you I walk, can only imagine. You, you, you walk a little funny. I think I just owned it, you know, and I learned to own it over the years. So you got to just accept yourself 100%, everything about yourself. You know, and, and trust me, I, there's people who look like maybe they look perfect on the, on the outside. Everybody's got something. Everybody does. And, and the best way to, to overcome it is just, you got to embrace you. You got to embrace everything about you. And when you do that, then you can, then you can kind of do the real work, you know, the real inside work. So I call my leg, my superpower because my left leg, it allows me to be creative <laughs> to find other ways of doing things. Um, I don't think, you know, I'm 5'10", 220 pounds. 
at 51 years old, I can bench press 400 pounds. Um, I'm in pretty phenomenal shape. I got a 33 inch waist. I don't think I'd have any of that uh, if I didn't have my left leg. <laughs> because, you know, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, no, well, no, no. I was going to say there is a, the, um, the comedian, the writer, the talk show host, Stephen Colbert, he has, he has yeah. a great, great interview with um, Anderson Cooper. And Stephen Colbert, when he was young, lost his father and I think two of his brothers in a plane crash. And he talks about being grateful for the tragedies or, or for the adversities mm -hmm. that happen in life. And Anderson Cooper is like, well, how do you, how, how do you accept, accept that? And Stephen Colbert says, because to be grateful to be alive is you can't cherry pick your life. Like, I'm happy for this, but I'm not happy for that. He says, so to be fully human and to be fully grateful, you have to be grateful for the things that you would not normally want. Mm -hmm. And the, in hearing you speak of your leg and the adversity and the challenges and the bullying, it, it made you such a, a whole person. And probably made you a better person because you know what it's like to be on the receiving end of cruelty. And then mm -hmm. therefore you wouldn't want that for other people. And then that goes to the whole thing about how do you tell villains from heroes? Villains and heroes both go through something traumatic. It's just the villain goes, everybody's going to suffer like I did. And the hero goes, nobody's going to suffer like I did. Yep. Yep. And you, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> I, and I, I want to ask you this for people who, you're right. Everybody's got something. I mean, there's people who are drop dead gorgeous or handsome internally. They have something going on. But for people who work with or are introduced to, or for example, like, you know, you're about to go on the wrestling mat with somebody who has a obvious physical adversity. Mm -hmm. Tell, give people one to three tips on how do you treat that person? Now, obviously people are going to say, well, with respect and everything. Sure. But sometimes sometimes you may want to do things for that person because you're worried about if, if they can handle it, you know, like, Oh, I want to, you know, you're at the gym squatting 400 pounds or 600 pounds. And somebody might be like, Oh my God, that guy's got one leg, et cetera. Tell people how they need to treat people with adversity, even if they have the best intentions. Well, let's assume we're not talking about people who want to be assholes. Yeah, but be, authentic, I, be authentic. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Be authentic. No, no, and no. Hold yeah, back. Never hold back. Never hold back. That's that. I would say, like, I, I, I will. Uh, you know, I can tell you when I wrestled in high school, I can tell you nobody held back. <laughs> I don't ever remember any. I don't remember <laughs> anybody. Like... <laughs> I don't remember anybody going light on me because I usually beat most of the people. So, you know, I mean, and and the first time I actually ever wrestled, I had no idea what I was doing. I had to cut weight, like you know, 15 minutes before the match started, and. I'm sitting here in a sweatsuit and my uncle got me involved in it and, you know, and, and, and I got my butt kicked, like literally got my butt kicked. Um, but, but I made it, I, I, I promised myself, I said, there is no way I am getting pinned by this guy. I don't care whatever it takes. It's not going to happen. And you know what? The guy couldn't pin me. I, I just like, wow. and I kept, and I stayed in the match. I kept it close enough. So there was no technical default but I scored some points and then he just could never pin me. And afterwards he came up to me and he was like, wow, like I just like, I've never wrestled anybody so tough before, you know, like, and I just, I was just determined that that was not going to happen. Um, and I think I used that first match just to, you know, just to get better. It, I use the same principles I have, you know, 
you learn, right? So when things don't work, learn from them. In fact, there, there, there's a tip for just about everybody. If you want to get really bad at doing something, do it the wrong way over and over again all the time, <laughs> you know, and, and that's what you're going to get. You're never going to actually progress. You know, failure, which some people seem to think is a bad thing, it's, it's actually an amazing thing. It's part of success. When you fail, you analyze, you reflect, and then you make adjustments and you do it again. And you do that as many times as it takes until you figure something out. And eventually, you know, you cut out the things that don't work. You're, you're going to get really good at something. And I think I've always taken that approach um, with just about everything because, you know, it's very rare that you figure something out the very first time. Oh, I think I it's say like impossible. A, yeah. 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 It happens very, if anything, it's probably a fluke. <laughs> but, you know, but, but yeah, that's just reality. So. But, but people tend to get very discouraged when something doesn't work or, oh, I tried and it just didn't happen. Well, why didn't you do it again? You know, and I think that's something that's, that's where the pers- perseverance and resilience comes into play. You know, those are things I like to call the assets of life. Those are two really good assets to develop because they'll carry you a long way. Um, but yeah, anyways, I think that answered your question, right? <laughs> no, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you totally did. And I, I, you know, something that I want people to take away from, from what you just said is, you know, in addition to how to treat people, be authentic. Um, if somebody's putting themselves in a situation to, to compete or to, to be challenged, challenge them and compete them as if they had no obvious adversity. Say so you don't insult them. But I also like that you said, like, hug failure, embrace failure. Oh yeah. You know, you're gonna, and you know, everybody's heard the quote, but like really let it sink in. The light bulb took 10,000 attempts for, mm-hmm. a, for, uh, oh my God, Edison. Oh my, I was going to yeah. say bell. Yeah, exactly. 10,000 times. I can't tell you that I've ever done anything in my life that took me 10,000 times to get right. I could tell you if I got maybe to like 50, I'm like, this shit ain't working. But, but like, <laughs> it, it, like embrace that. And it really, failure is every time you fail, you're further than you were when you started. You know, you've just crossed out something that didn't work. Something else that didn't work. Something else that didn't work. So I, I, I love that. And I would like to, I, I would like to take a moment now to definitely jump onto, you're an author. You've written three books about yeah. inspiration and motivation. You've got another one, I think, dropping this summer. Can you give the audience a, a brief summary of, of your books and, and where they can find them and, and why they yeah. should find them? Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Everything I write about, I've experienced. And I, and I got to say, if you're a nonfiction writer who wants to write about self-improvement, um, in, my, in, my book, in, my, in my mind, I don't really like reading people who haven't actually gone through it themselves. So, you know, everything I write about, I've, I've, I've gone through the trials, the tribulations. It's not about just everything that's worked. It's also about things that didn't work and what you learn from it. But I started writing back in 2020, just inspirational poems, just to try and lift other people up. And I came up with an interesting concept. It's not, they're not really poems. They just kind of are disguised as poems. And they're really just pure inspiration and motivation. And uh, I wrote about 50 of them. And I had a small book that came out back in 2020. And, and, uh, you know, I learned, I learned the publishing process and, and, uh, and it didn't really do anything, (laughs) but I, but I, I really got the bug and I just kept creating and grinding and developing material. And I put up all these how-to guides and, 
And then about a year and a half ago, um, this is actually a great story. Uh, Sam Cromwell, which was the uh, founder of Temple University, gave a really cool speech called Acre of Diamonds. And that speech created enough income from the found Temple University. Acre of Diamonds is all about that basically like everything that you need, you already have. And the story, I, I went off topic, but this is actually really, this is a cool story. And I think it will have a real impact on people. Um, is a farmer who got obsessed with diamonds, owned a farm, decided to sell a farm, travel all around the world, searching for diamonds, never found them. The guy who bought his farm was walking through kind of by a stream on the property one day, saw a bunch of shiny objects. <laughs> Turns out it was a diamond farm <laughs> and the farm was like a diamond mine. And the essence of the story was just simply like, you might not think that you actually have what you need to start something. I guarantee you do. And so my books were born out of, I'm looking at my computer and I developed all this content. And I, I said, holy crap, here's my acre of diamonds. Everything I need is right in front of me. And so uh. my series called Unlocking Your Greatest Assets Through Adverse or Challenge, Struggle and Adversity was born. The first book I came out with was called The Mindset Game. I self-published everything. Um, and The Mindset Game is like literally my playbook. So if you like what I, you're hearing from me, um, you want to know how I've gotten to where I am in life. Uh, I basically put together a how-to guide. It's about uh, 55,000 words. Uh, I've got a few different editions of it, hard copy, paperback, Kindle, um, but I've got worksheet exercises. And what I wanted to do differently than other self-help books out there is, is I like a lot of the books and authors that I follow, but I've never really quite found a guide that really, I think most people can relate to because not, not all of us are professional athletes. Not all, all of us are billionaires, right? Right, right. Um, and I wanted to put a guide together that I think the majority of people could relate to. I'm a successful guy, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a self-made man. I, 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 I'm sure there's plenty of people who are, have bigger bank accounts than me, but but I pretty much do whatever I want in life. And uh, I, I, I live an abundant life. And I wanted to sh put a guide together to show people how to do that. And so that's the mindset game. I think it's pretty cool. It's an easy read. Uh, I get real life experiences. So everything's backed up with a real life story, something I either went through or I'm actually doing right now. Um, so it's authentic and uh and I think it, it could have a big impact on, on somebody. The other two books, um, Reveal Yourself is a, basically kind of a book of poetry, but I call it instructional poetry. And it kind of takes you from a starting point to an end point and how to get to where you're at to where you want to go. And each piece kind of has a certain type of reflection um, of either overcoming some sort of struggle or how you think. Uh, and, and so I, it's about 85 poems in that book. There's some pretty cool quotes uh, that go along with it. And then the third book, and that actually, that book was just recently turned into an audio book and it's super cool. Uh, it was narrated by award-winning narrators, uh, uh, Megan, Megan and Jonathan, or Jonathan and Megan Lee. And uh, they did a fantastic job. They're gonna actually create my third book, which actually just released about a week ago. Uh, it released number one on the, 
on Amazon new releases and inspiration. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's called assets of inspiration. And what I did with this book is really cool. Same concept. It's kind of instructional poetry, but what I do is I group, I group three different poems together. And then out of those three, I talk about the different assets that are derived. And usually there's two or three of them. And I dive into basically one, how do you develop them? Uh, what are they all about? And then at the end of the book, I put together what you call your 401k portfolio of assets of life. And the reason, and I say this, if you have this kind of 401k portfolio, you never have to worry about retirement ever. You don't have to worry about how much money you have in the bank because you, you can pretty much, you, you pretty much have the ability to do whatever you want in life. So I always say that you develop these type of assets. Examples are like, you know, imagination, creativity, uh, perseverance, resilience, confidence. Um, you know, there's, there's probably, I think, close to 100 of them. And when you develop all those, they're not material. You know, they're not real estate. They're not uh, stocks. But they're the type of assets that allow you to excel in the arena of life. And the best part about it, well, I don't know if it's the best part, but one of the nice parts about it is, is when you develop them, all the cool stuff comes to you. <laughs> so the things that people are usually chasing after, <laughs> I want to have a really cool house or a car or this watch or all material stuff, which really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> when you do this first, <laughs> all that stuff follows. Nice. <laughs> and, and so those books are, I know you said they're all on Amazon. Are they all... People could go and get, I know two of the books, they can get them right now as soon as they hop off the podcast, um, correct? They're, all three are available. All three are okay. available. Uh, all, and they're all available in either Kindle format or um, I have paperbacks um, on all of them and then two of them hard copies. And then one of them is actually the audio book is out uh, on Reveal Yourself. But every one of them is available um, in either paperback form or Kindle form. Guys, you could go and get this book. You could pop it. You could download it. You could hear it driving into work, driving home from work, you know, running, lifting at the gym. Don't don't sleep on this great info from, like Matthew said, somebody who's not, he's not just telling you from, you know, the Sermon on the Mount. He's lived this stuff, right? So get on top of this, take advantage of it. And, and, you know, Matthew belongs up there with, with the Earl Nightingales and the Napoleon Hills. And well, that, that's and, saying a lot. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you know, you. Thank you're, you. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. Very welcome. Let's uh, one of my other favorite questions to ask guests. And, and sure. yes, just love this question. And I say it sarcastically because they cringe in keeping with the theme of sexiness. What is the sexiest <laughs> thing about you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, this is something I used to joke about when I was one of the things I will say, I used to kind of like, I don't know if I did this to kind of compensate for my left leg when I maybe had a little more like insecurities about it. But I always, I always told people like, you know, they're like, they always would say like, you know, geez, so sorry that that happened to you. And I just said, Hey, I go, God just did this to me because it just wouldn't have been fair otherwise. It was something I used to do to kind of like joke <laughs> around and just, you know, it, it was more of my own insecurities. But um, you know what? I would say, you know, uh, sexy to me is just somebody 
it's having an, a, a confidence in yourself and who you are. I know exactly who I am. I know exactly where I'm going. And I think of that, that, uh, you know, that I'm somebody who is driven by purpose and, and those, that, that to me is what really makes somebody sexy is, you know, having that kind of, uh, substance inside. You know, one of the, um, I'd say 99% of the time when we've, you know, I've talked to models and, and, and photographers and dancers and, and I mean, people who weightlifters, people who typically deal with their physicality is, is how they make money. Um, and a lot of these models, you know, what makes, what is your sexiest quality? And a lot of people you would think are going to say their bodies or their looks. It, it's always 99% of the time the answer has been confidence. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to my next question. What to you makes a person sexy? Matthew, still with me? I, I I can't hear you for a second. Uh, I, I, I likes oh, women as a man who likes women. <laughs> um, I find a woman who just owns it. Everything, no matter what she, no matter what she looks like, no matter, she just owns it. And, uh, you know what, actually the other day at the gym, I saw this gal who was, there were all these younger girls wearing, you know, their tight little shorts and tops and, you know, just trying to show off or whatever. And I saw this gal who was definitely a little weight. She was wearing sweatpants and, but I just saw her working and she was just in there working. And, and, you know, getting after it. And I walked up to her and I just gave her a fist bump. And I just said, hey, you just inspired me, you know, and she, it just put a smile on her face. And, and I was just it was just like, oh, man, you know, like I, I thought that was sexy. <laughs> not me, but her, just somebody who owns it, you know, and is not going to let other people um, distract her from what she needs to do. So, um, yeah, everybody else is like doing, you know, and, and anybody who's been at a gym enough times that you could tell like, all right, you're, you're the influencer working out, you know, cause you're in here and like, you know, clothing that is not, gym, <laughs> right. not, not gym functional <laughs> versus the people that are like, you know, they look like hell. They're wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt or a t-shirt. They're, they're drenched in sweat. They're, they're breathing heavy. Because those people are working out. Like they mm-hmm. are, you know, they are building a better body. They're now over here with a, a damn, you know, a tripod or, or cam stick trying to get the best view because it, so I, I totally feel you on that one. Um, it is now time for our uh, quick game. Oh, where I like okay. to, yeah, we like to give guests uh, a chance to run through some entertaining questions. Matthew, are you ready? Yes, let's do it. All right. Don't think about it. Just answer cake or pie. Pie. <laughs> What kind? Uh, chocolate, French silk. Oh, you're, you're one of those people. I'm, see, I'm a fruit pie guy. <laughs> sure. 
Um, we we could have gotten some trouble on that one. I could have. Yeah, we could have. That's, <laughs> that's always a question where I'm like, let's see how this answer goes. Obviously, you know where my head was at. Okay, let's yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> uh, if you were a singer, what would what would you sing on your first day or first concert? If I was a singer, yeah, uh, uh, Journey, Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> Great song, awesome pick. Love that. Favorite time of the year? Favorite time of the year, fall. You you are a Chicago guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how I get <laughs> the weather? The weather. You know, I love sixty degrees and a nice yep. breeze and the sun out. Like there's a stretch. I just I, that that's my kind of weather. Yes. Anybody who wants to experience extreme weather, <laughs> live in Chicago for you. I know people are like, oh no, but. You know, in California, Arizona, it's like 100. So no, no, go to Chicago where you can get 100 degrees and then like five months later no, you get like a polar vortex. Don't. Just avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're on an island, you get to pick three books to read. What would they be? Oh, ooh, okay. Three books on an island. Um, oh, this is a good one. Let's see. I would read uh, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. Um, nice. I would bring The Autobiography of a Yogi by Yoga Honda. That is one, just a little frame of reference. Steve Jobs, only book he ever had on his iPhone, and everybody at his funeral got a copy of it. Um, highly recommend. Um, there you go. You know, and it, it, did you ever read uh, Jeet Kundo by Bruce Lee? Yes, have it. <laughs> great, yeah, great book. And I, I picked it up. It was, you know, it's on the eternal list. Like, I got to read it, got to read it. One day I picked it up and, and fell in love with it. Um, Batman or Superman? Superman. <laughs> One food for the rest of your life. One food for the rest of my life? Um, boy, that's tough. Ribeye. <laughs> <Not, yeah. laughs> Once again, a Chicago guy. You can, yeah. Can you name four of the three Stooges? Oh, gosh. That's pretty funny. Four of the three Stooges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there was there was two, right? That were the was was it Curly who had who was a double? Ed Mo Curly, and then I don't remember the right Ed Mo and Curly. Wait, wait Larry. See it, Larry, Larry, Larry. Mo Curly, Curly Joe, and Shimp. So technically, okay, really five. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while, but that's that what? one. Yeah, you, you stumped me. <laughs> you stumped me. I used to it, watch that as a kid all the time. It's either that question or or if I ask somebody to name five uh, four of the seven dwarves, that one throws people off real quick. Don't ask me that. Okay. <laughs> my uh, my ultimate favorite question, and to some degree you've answered this already, but I would like to I would like to know is there anybody on a personal level, somebody that you know you've seen repeatedly, who inspires you? Oh gosh. Um that's, you know, some of, I don't know if I could just pick one person, but 
There's actually a guy, you know, there's a guy, there's a guy on LinkedIn named Steve Ferrari and his posts always come up and he's got, uh, um, I think he's got a ALS, he's in a wheelchair. So he's got the nervous ner nerve condition or nervous system condition where, you know, he doesn't have total control over his body. So mm. he has a hard time walking, but he, he started a thing called, um, oh geez, it's, uh, he basically, he basically, you know, just since he served the, he serves the disability community, people who, you know, either spinal cord injuries or facing or, you know, going through something just talks. He, he, he sounds funny. Um, you know, it's like, it takes, I think where it takes so much courage to, to kind of get up in front of people when you talk funny and you don't exactly move the right way. Um, that just takes courage. And, and I always respect courage. So um, somebody you probably never heard of before, but I, I see his posts a lot and just always, uh, just always love the guys got a smile on his face and he just gets after it. You see, he does things at the gym and um, you know, just, uh, he inspires me. <clears throat> yeah. I've always found the people who appreciate life the most are the people he would think have the least amount of life to appreciate. Yeah, that's 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 some good stuff right there mm. yeah very true good pe good people sexy people that wraps up our interview with the the inspiring the brilliant the motivational the indomitable i can go on and on with that <laughs> uh matthew sigowski matthew tell people one more time where they can find you um you know go on amazon type in my name matthew sigowski um i know it's a little bit of a mouthful but all my books will pop up you can read my bio um, if you want to find me on Facebook, my Facebook page, just I, I just put up usually things to do with writing and um, you can actually find a lot of individual writings on there too. So just type in my name and, um, you know, I love hearing from readers too. So, you know, if you end up getting a book uh, and you want, you want to communicate with me, you know, my, I always share my email address or just shoot me a direct message and I'm really good about responding to that kind of stuff. Matthew, thank you for joining us this evening and um, we'll talk soon. All right. It was great. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate it.